You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. to earth station trek a show where we trek from the early days on nbc to the future on paramount plus and everywhere in between i'm charles kelso and it's my privilege to introduce the earth station trek crew keith johnson how's it going everyone alan seiler howdy folks also joining us this week is moxie magnus hi hey, how are you <laughs> We, I've been looking forward to this. I've Veronica and I, we've, we've run across you and had tables next to you at conventions. We were puppeteers, felt nerdy, and we yes, were often yes. nearby and never have really got a chance to talk because uh, we're always working our own tables and things like that. And, you know, we've, we've both been at Hulanta a number of times. And so it's great to uh, meet you, really. Yes, it's fantastic to meet you. I'm always running around <laughs> being crazy right. and ditzy and insane. <laughs> So it's it's nice to meet you. And you're always under the table. Yes, we hide a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Moxie, of course, is the is uh, lieutenant commander or, or lieutenant or commander. Which is it? Uh, she is Lieutenant Moxie Ann Magnus. Lieutenant. That's me. And the chief cosmetologist, xenocosmetologist aboard the USS Enterprise mm-hmm. under Captain James T. Kirk. You may have heard of him. Yeah, Who? if you're going to serve under somebody, that's the one to serve under. Absolutely. The OG. <laughs> Unfortunately for the lady, sometimes serving under him means a whole different thing. <laughs> means serving <laughs> under him. <laughs> So we appreciate you beaming down from the future in whatever time travel manner you you use to get back into the 21st century. There are so many. (laughs) Slingshotting. (laughs) Slingshotting around the sun is one of my favorites. (laughs) Or you could turn off the warp engines and mix the matter and antimatter cold. That'll do it. Yeah, there you go. You got to mix them just right. Yeah. (laughs) Is there some hairstyling tip? that uh causes the same thing like you can like you can you know combine two different sort of gels or something and it'll give you a slingshot effect well there it's the same antimatter uh matter principle uh you know it's uh, with photon styling you have to be very careful about those things or you could end up in the delta quadrant (laughs) when you're trying to do a permanent so you have to be very careful so can we talk a little bit about your career in Starfleet? How did you first, like, I, I assume that you went to Starfleet Academy. How did you go from there onto the Enterprise? Well, as you know, I was born in outer space. My parents had a cargo ship, you know, they were trading in hair along the neutral zone. <laughs> Yes, that's that's what they did. You know, some of the best weave that you can get is Klingon, of course, <laughs> because they grow extra follicles on their head, just like everything else. Right? <laughs> and, and and so they they produce a massive amount of hair, but of course it has to be straightened and uh, you know permed and whatnot, and it, it takes a lot of chemicals to do that to Klingon hair, as you well know. But uh, 
I got all of my experience growing up with my parents and their hair trading. And so I went to Starfleet Academy and studied the science of of xenocosmetology, which is very complicated, you know, because there are so many species and so many different types of hair and so many hairstyles and the history of of hair and cosmology and cosmetology <laughs> and all that comes in between. It's, it's just a fascinating <laughs> subject. You know, I've never thought about Klingon combs, brushes, hair tool. They, they're probably formidable. I would imagine. Yes. Yes. If you've never, if you've never come across an infestation of Klingon lice, then, <laughs> then, uh, you, you've never, never quite had a battle. <laughs> That uh, that you you want to tell people about it's 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 pretty uh, pretty harrowing, <laughs> harrowing. Uh, yes, but I I was actually the uh, only cadet in Starfleet history to ever pass that no win scenario exit test. The Kobayashi hairdo. Have you heard of that one? That was the the Zeno cosmetology test. I don't understand why that doesn't get featured in films and television episodes you know like the other one that we always hear about (laughs) well uh, it's because no one else could come up with any solution that was even close to mine what was the solution well uh the the test is we we are uh shot into the neutral zone just as the captain is sitting down in my chair to uh have his hair done Mm. right and uh, so we have to uh, we have to get his hair uh, styled and set and get him back on the bridge before the ship blows up and everyone is killed. And it, it, it's just a very difficult thing to do. So what I did is I managed to create the hollow chip. So I shaved the captain's head really quickly, implanted his head with a hollow chip, programmed his hair as he ran back to the bridge. <laughs> and so his hair was just a hologram. He no longer needed hair. And, and that's actually where all of the hollow technology came from that was used later, uh, centuries after that, uh, to do uh, onboard entertainment, pornography, and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> well, Re- Reginald Barkley thanks you. Right. <laughs> so essentially, you are the origin of future pornography. Yes, yes. Necessity is the mother of invention. And, you know, hair is very important. You know, if you look good, you feel good. That's right. (laughs) And you command good. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) You know, if... If Captain Kirk had been my captain, I would have just whipped that toupee off and shot him to the bridge, put a hat on it and sent him right up there. But it wasn't. It was a a rather burly gentleman with a a curly updo. Other than Klingons, what are some of the more challenging aliens to work with? Well, of course, Andorians, because there's always the chance that you'll lop right off one of those antenna while you're up there styling. You have to be real careful with that. They That's funny. That. That, that must be what happened to the guest we just had on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did he get his antennas, uh, antennae lopped off? Yeah, it was uh, Noah who played uh, the Andorian Wren in season three of Discovery, who had his yeah. antenna like, you know, 
by the emerald yes. chain or so we thought yes or yes. so we thought now we know there's probably another story behind it right well done Moxie. <laughs> oh oh Sarah was very very uh horrible with uh with hairstyling you know it's a pretty brutal brutal regime you know <laughs> she wanted a certain she wanted a certain look on everybody <laughs> Yeah, let's see who else. Uh, well, Romulans, you know, Vulcans. With Vulcans, you have to have the the ceremonial hair bowls to get their <laughs> hair done right. You know, so there's, you know, the crazy thing about Vulcans is they're so logical about everything. Have you ever have you been to Vulcan before? I have not. Well, on Vulcan, that you know, the government is logical. The uh, traffic is so logical. It's just amazing. Education is so logical. But when it comes to things like hairdos and um, and courting rituals and weddings, it's just all bat poop crazy. Can I say that? on (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, it is insane. And so they have this whole ritual set of bowls that you have to have to give correct. Vulcan haircuts to get the bangs right. You know, you've you've seen all the Vulcan Vulcan hair, Vulcan bangs. Oh yeah, and you have to be careful with their ears too because you can clip the tips right off of those things. <laughs> but I hear they grow back just like lizard tails. Oh, do they? <laughs> yes, okay. they do. Okay, that's good. That's to a know. Vulcan fact that I wasn't previously aware of. Yeah, you weren't aware of that. Yeah, that's a cosmetology school science. Right. This is better than our trivia episode. (laughs) I've learned all kinds of things. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, you have the benefit of a Starfleet Academy education, and we haven't had that yet. That's true. Exactly. It may not be exactly canon, but it still shoots. So, so for the races that exist that may not have any body hair, is there nothing to be done for them? Or is it all about skin conditioning at that point? Oh, darling, we can always do weaves. We can always <laughs> do, uh, we can do a weave. You know, I've done hair on Gorn. I've done hair on gaseous cloud anomalies, you know. <laughs> okay, I've and done, I want to see this. <laughs> done, done hair on energy beings, you know, it's just you just have to get creative sometimes sometimes hair is more than hair if you know what i'm saying like we could we could set you up with a a nice a nice cloud of smoke that follows you around for your head I, what i'm saying uh, if if you don't know what keith looks like he has this beautifully shaped bald head but what we could do for him is we could put a cotton candy cloud around that thing that just follows him wherever he goes. We could put lights in it. It would be like the lights of Zetar wherever you go. You would be disco fabulous, ready for Friday night. I'm telling you. How do you how do you style races that might be violent? Like if there was a living salt salt vampire. They'd be trying to kill you the whole time. You're trying to do something with their tangled hair. What would you do in that case? Well, I tell you, salt vampires have it easy because they're just like, you know, I'm a shapeshifter. I want to updo bail. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. So they don't spend a lot on, uh, well, you know, nobody in the 23rd century (laughs) spends a lot on cosmetology because we don't have money. But for salt vampires, it's real easy. It's like, uh, I want a 
uh, nice little shag cut, bam, they got it because they just shipped, you know. <laughs> so uh, I don't have to worry too much about them. Uh, and if I do have salt vampires in, I just keep a, I keep shakers around for them, right. you know, those kinds of things. Right. So, you know. A salt lick, like cows. You <laughs> a know. nice salt lick, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I get my double fisted whammy on them too. I learned that from Kurt. So I can, I can, you know, every now and then when you're doing somebody's hair, I mean, if you're doing a Mugatu's, you know, if you're, oh boy. Yeah, yeah, it's not just hair because we also do nails. So, you know, sometimes you get a paint brushed out and you're doing a Mugatu horn and that thing gets a little feisty and <laughs> they're venomous, you know? So, so uh, oh, you got to do a, like a, a flying, uh, one of those kicks and twists and whatever you know to keep yourself safe so uh, <laughs> just set your phaser to stunning and keep combing it out <laughs> this has been absolutely educational <laughs> yeah I'm, i should be writing this down yeah well luckily you have a recording of <laughs> that's, it that's true <laughs> we can we can replay the episode anytime we want so what, what's your thought about the person who i don't know if you call him a stylist or just a barber mr mott mr mott well, uh, Mr. Mott and I, uh, we, we know each other from my travels through time. I'm not sure that he knows that I come from an earlier time, but I'm sure he studied me in school because I am, I am the quintessential Starfleet xenocosmetologist, you know. <laughs> so I'm sure he's aware of some of the techniques that I put into place, like the, like I was saying, the hollow chip earlier that I was talking about, uh, some of the anti-gravity gravity uh hair updos that i've i've worked on uh the the treaties that i've written for starfleet academy and th those kinds of things so i'm sure he knows all about that there he's, are he's, there are hair nice. treaties were there hair wars uh yes the great uh, the robulan wars were actually partly hair wars oh, uh, they were they were more because the romulan empire actually Actually, they mined all of the foam that was available for shoulder pads <laughs> and they needed to expand the empire to get more shoulder pad foam. That was part of what the Romulan Wars were about. Just a small part of it. Don't you ever let anybody tell you otherwise. <laughs> well, the Romulans are Joan Crawford fans then. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, they also really loved Edith Keeler because, you know, right. Edith Keeler, you're, you're familiar with Edith Keeler, oh, yes. right? Yeah. Edith Keeler. Now, this is in a different universe. And they're, they're the universe that I come from, which is the prime universe, right? Where Edith Keeler was, uh, you know, sadly dispatched. But there's another universe where she was saved. And she lived, and because of her involvement with the Enterprise and the Guardian of Forever, she lived a very long time. And she ended up in Denver, <laughs> married to a man named Blake Carrington. Wow. <laughs> and this is a true story. And they had the company called Denver Carrington that was an oil company. She divorced him, became very, very angry. She was no longer a, a philanthropist and do-gooder as she was earlier. She popularized 
the shoulder pads. She was monitored by the Romulans. Uh, they started using some of her techniques in their empire, and she is responsible for the Romulan Wars indirectly. Wow. Okay. Wow. wow. That is so very interesting. This is so eye-opening. So McCoy averted all of that, huh? Yes. Or enabled yes. all that, actually, the first time. Yeah. Well, it, Absolutely. There you go. It's a good thing she's dead. <laughs> it is. It is. Bless, bless her little evil heart. <laughs> but her shoulder pads live on. What do you do for artificial beings like data and, and androids and robots? Well, you can't cut their hair because it doesn't grow. Yeah. You know, so you have to be careful with that. So uh, you can you can style it uh, with with their hair. It is generally synthetic. Uh, some of them do have uh, real human hair uh, or or real other being hair, depending <laughs> on where they're from. We have to be not just humanists mm. and, and, you know, we can yeah. be uh, other, other centric as well. Uh, so like with data, he pretty much has the same hairstyle all the time. Bless his heart. I've noticed that. So can't do much with him. Mm. I've tried. <laughs> what about when you come across, do you have to sign an NDA when you come across races like the brain who no one's ever seen? Oh, <laughs> what do you do? That's a they good point. Yeah, they threaten to kill you. What do you do? Uh, I'm not at liberty to talk. About <laughs> Thus, NDA. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Keith really hit, hit, hit close to something there. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and who did you get this information from? <laughs> Keith won't be here next week. Right. <laughs> it was nice knowing you, buddy. <laughs> Let me let me see if I can talk to Giorgio. <laughs> Giorgio. <laughs> oh gosh. We have an extraction that's needed. <laughs> Speaking of Giorgio, is it nerve-wracking to do work on someone like Giorgio where if one hair is out of place and you nick them, they might kill you? Have you killed? Emperor Giorgio. It, it is it is a little unnerving, but, uh, you know, I'm the best, so why would they get rid of me? Oh, there you go. Mm. Yeah. The, the only people that I have to worry about really are other xenocosmetologists who are close to the top, but aren't there because I'm occupying that space. Oh, okay. Until they you know, take you out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's always someone younger and hungrier coming down the stairs behind you. So you have to be careful. So, so now hold I'm, on to that. Rail. Is there a so mirror now, universe, Moxie Magnus? That's it. I was but, thinking that. <laughs> there is. There is. She has a, I've met her. She has a, you oh, have. Yeah. She, she has a very nice little Van Dyke beard. <laughs> very, very nicely, very nicely cut. Uh, she has a big scar across her eye. Mm. Uh, because, you know, I don't know why in the mirror universe, everyone has, you know, a scar and a beard, but she does. Uh, she's very stylish. She shows her midriff, uh, wears a little mini skirt, uh, and, uh, she will cut you. Okay. <laughs> not just and your I, hair. Not, not just your hair. And I assume as an important person, then that Moxie would have to have an entourage of bodyguards. Cause it seems like everybody important in the mirror universe has people waiting to kill on their behalf. 
Yes, absolutely. I, I I don't know if she's made a play for being the empress of the the, <laughs> the mirror universe or not, but we'll never know. <laughs> I'm sure there must be an alternate universe out there uh, somewhere in the 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 multiverse where she's the the empress. <laughs> There's got absolutely. to be. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely have to be. It's a beautiful world where everyone's hair is perfect all the time. <laughs> sounds like paradise yeah (laughs) all right we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow eso network podcast show and then when we come back we'll be getting into the latest episode of star trek discovery so stay right there hey mike i think i might have the new promo for earth station one for the spring want to hear it sure Celebrating over 12 years of bringing you all things geek, we're the Earth Station One Podcast. No matter the topic, we have been showing you all sides of geekdom with interviews, reviews, discussions, con reports, and as always, the geek seat. Join Mike and Mike weekly at earthstation1.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. That's Earth Station One. What do you think? Is it okay? That's fine. We'll, We'll do better next time. All right. Well, welcome back. We're talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery this week. We're joined by Brantley Moat. Uh, welcome to the show, Brantley. You've just missed Moxie Magnus. Oh, was she here? She was. <laughs> we we are always very Boy, close, was she. but never quite in the same place. I always wow. miss her. <laughs> yeah, th- this week uh, we had the, the spoilers from here on out for Discovery um, for the episode The Galactic Barrier. And who would have thought we'd we'd get an episode called The Galactic Barrier? Yeah, really. Yeah. This is the one with Gary Mitchell. Exactly, right. right. <laughs> well, it's a little bittersweet because the the Oh, Sally Kellerman. Sally yeah, Kellerman. yeah, we just got the Oh yeah, that's... Sally Kellerman passed away. Oh. Yeah. I yeah, which is yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, wow. she died a few a few hours ago at the age 84. Yeah. Wow. So, so it's 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 a little strange that it worked out that we're, that we're watching an episode called the galactic barrier today on the day that she passed, but you know, yeah, condolences really. to her, her fa- friends and family. Um, but discovery, um, I mean, we haven't seen the galactic barrier on TV. I mean, since the sixties. Yeah, that's true. The, um, the one with the Kelvins, right? That was the last time. Yeah. Um, I, unless you count, um, is there in truth no beauty? You know what I mean? Because that, that one got a little weird at the end, but that you, you could say that they encountered the barrier at that one, or at least yeah, we, the special effects. Yeah, we weren't really <laughs> sure what that was, right? Because they did one of those things they claimed they didn't really go that far. Yeah, right. But, yeah. yeah, they, they encountered right. the stock footage of the galactic barrier <laughs> <laughs> all the way out of the galaxy. <laughs> uh, so, what did everybody think of this episode? Brantley, you want to lead us off? Um, well, I will say this, this is of the four seasons so far, this season has been the mm. one that I have liked the least. Okay. That's the and, episode. Um, Thanks y'all. For- <laughs> kidding. And, and with, with this episode, um, I don't know. This season has just felt like mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for them to get somewhere. Very much so. I always get up in the morning and watch it first thing before work. So I don't get spoiled during the day. And then I'll watch it again when I got home, I got home and I'll just like, well, I guess I should watch it again, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it, it does feel like let's get someplace. 
I do feel like it was an important episode and we, we got to a point that we needed to get to, but it just felt like not much was happening. I mean, we got told a nice story about Tarka, oh. which actually I really liked the Tarka backstory, but mm-hmm. I don't know that we needed a whole episode of it. And then the rest of the, the episode was discovery, just, you know, flying through bubbles. And mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it's it just, it's that same kind of feeling from the motion picture. It's just like, okay, this is pretty. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you all a question because I, I hear what y'all are saying. Um, one of the things a lot of people are saying is they're tired of every season of Discovery being a literally galaxy or universe-wide catastrophe. Is it that that is it that that you don't like, or just how long it's taken to tell that story? Like maybe it should be done in a few episodes instead of season long. No, it, it's not necessarily the overarching story. It's just mm-hmm. that there wasn't enough stuff that was like actually happening in this episode everything there were two things that happened and they both took the entire episode to happen mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean yeah and right. it's just right. that it's just felt like a middle chapter which it you know we're we're at episode 10 now we're past what should be a middle chapter yeah i think you could watch discovery and just take a drink every time someone steps off the bridge to have a conference in the ready room um and see if you make it through an episode because right you know yeah, right it's like we're crossing yeah. the galactic barrier like can we just work on crossing the galactic barrier not step off yeah. the bridge to have another conference it's funny you say that because um uh Bradley, one thing we talked about a lot is we talk about as, as charles was just saying we talk about these things where literally literally in the middle of a crisis or an attack people have these heart to hearts sometimes on the bridge and charles for what you're saying when yeah. burnham at the beginning had the side conversation with the president and it was basically like don't be undermining my authority on the bridge I know that that was a good conversation and a decent mm-hmm. conversation and it was short and it and made a necessary sense. conversation. Exactly. And then there was another one and then there's another conversation. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, here, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> well, it also takes away from the immediacy of the action. I mean, if you're in this life yes. or death situation and you're like, hey, uh, everybody, hang on. We're going to go chat about this for a little bit. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. Exactly. are you really yeah, in a exactly. life or death situation if you've got time to go and have a little chat about it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it reminds right. me of the first right. season of TNG where people start joking. You remember for a while, every now and then they'd be in a crisis for car, but go conference and they'd all go into the conference room and talk and come back out. Kind of reminds me of that, but even taken to the um, <laughs> other extent. I will say one thing they, well, you know, I, I had to put my science brain on hold for this episode because, you know, it's all fiction. But they finally answered the question. I've been complaining for weeks about how come they can't jump through the barrier. And they just kind of finally threw a line in and said, well, the MySeal network doesn't. Yeah. Extend through the barrier. And then I start ranting about that makes no sense because it's not real space. And then I thought, okay, let it go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, the galactic barrier. Exactly. Thank you. And and then I I have to be honest, when they start babbling about antimatter and negative energy, I'm like, that makes no scientific sense. And then I, okay, let it go. Let it go. There's just so much much lazy writing, it feels like to me, because it's just like, suddenly Burnham comes up and says, oh, well, there's so-and-so and so-and-so. Did anybody think about this? No, but so-and-so and so-and-so. And then everybody completely understands the problem and it's fixed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's so, just so yeah. lazy when you do that. It's just like, oh, well, okay, here's the problem fixed. All right, next thing. It's like. Yeah, I, I thought that too. Now, one thing, and I don't know if this is intended at all, but one thing when they're talking about the barrier, it did make me think about the fact that for going on a thousand years they're saying nobody has left the galaxy 
that's kind of wild, or at least not. It you is. Know, and, and in 900 years, the ships haven't gotten much better at it. You think right. that 900 years mm-hmm. later, I mean, the Enterprise, the first time they ever saw the barrier, survived. I mean, they were disabled, yeah. but they, they made mm-hmm. it in and out again, at least. They didn't cross it. But I mean, you're talking about 900 years later, you'd think they'd have shields that could just zip right through. And with thing. the Kelvins, they, they took it through and they kept on going. Yeah. yeah. You know what I've always thought? I wonder if that's one of those where Starfleet classified that. Because you know what I always think? Given what happened with Gary Mitchell... Wouldn't you think somebody would just go around up every telepath they could find and just keep throwing people through the barrier and creating a race yep. of gods? <laughs> I would. <laughs> wow. Back, back when my buddy Kel Teskar, we used to do a Star Trek the Animated Series comic uh, at StarTrekAnimated.com, uh, and we did a story like that. The, the Klingons uh, deliberately went into the barrier oh, yeah. to create psychic warriors. And, and uh, I mean, so yeah, you would think that people like the yeah. Klingons would immediately grab telepaths and fly into that. Yeah. Thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would think so. Um, yeah. I've been on a real, um, if you're familiar with the band Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, yes. They, we were talking about them on my other podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I've been Christians. on a real kick, like listening to some stuff I haven't listened to. It. And they have a song, my favorite BOC song, Veterans of the Psychic I don't Wars. believe you said that. <laughs> I first heard that from the heavy metal movie. I love that's on my phone. That album is on my phone. Nice. Fire of Unknown Origin is on my phone. So, that's a that's a total sidebar, but since we're talking about creating psychic warriors, yeah, there it is. There's a theme song for you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on the other on the other side of the storyline this week, I guess they, they just let Tarka and Book go last week, and now they're off right. adventuring around. Um, but we got the backstory there, and I mean, I liked Oros. I thought Oros was a, a sweet character, yeah. very much. So. It yeah. makes me a little yeah. angry that nobody says to Tarka, "Hey, you're you're not rational at all with your thinking about this guy." beaming to this paradise place i mean this is just kind of new age (laughs) that you're i mean you have absolutely no real reason to believe that he succeeded well i I mean mean, and it and it and the story just becomes more and more and more fantastical instead of more and more kind of okay you're making this is a theoretical place right this is a this is something that's from his people's beliefs Mm -hmm. how do you beam to it yeah. Where do you be? I wonder to? about that too. Yeah. It was like Shangri La, right. or it was uh. like that. It was like it was like right. Eden in the Apple episode. It's just it made us. Or what was the place in the movie with what God does not? You know that that whole play. You remember? Yeah. Where they mm-hmm. found Shakari. Yeah, Shak- Thank you. Good. Good call. <laughs> good call. <laughs> yeah, and at this point, it's making book look like a doof that he's still flying around with. This yeah. Guy. Yeah, that's a trick. Yeah, that's we've been talking about that for weeks where this guy keeps doing stuff. And then back to you, back to the whole thing about conversations. Yeah, I would have had that conversation with him a few weeks or days or whatever the timeline is ago about, okay, what the heck is going on? Because again, maybe because the slow, mm. the show was a little slow and had too much conversation. I really did find myself nitpicking in ways that I was trying not to do. For example, they keep talking about all these scavenger <laughs> things and nobody found that antimatter was hidden under the rug. For all that time, that <laughs> <laughs> right. was just a little weird. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, and I was yeah. trying not to nitpick, but I really and truly got confused about this because based on what you guys are saying, is uh, was it Oros? He thinks Oros, yeah, Oros. transported to across dimensions with whatever he cobbled together in the lab. Yet Buddy can only do this with the energy of the DMA. 
I'm like, you can't just create it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you can't just do it. I'm like, all these years, he can't just accumulate enough antimatter and do it himself. He can't steal a ship. He can't steal mm-hmm. a warp core because they had like six miles of antimatter and a warp core that they built in the well, lab. They had programmable antimatter. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Where did they get that I don't from? Know. I, I mean, literally lost it. I know he goes back there to find what they had, but where did they there's, get it from? There's to just a lot of sort of this deus, deus ex machina this season. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh, hey, there's suddenly this. An- oh, hey, there's suddenly this antimatter. Yeah. Oh, hey, there's suddenly that. this thing here. Oh, hey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so, so I don't know. It. I, I was thinking to myself earlier, the, um, you asked earlier, Keith, about the, mm-hmm if the arc was a problem for the, the season. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, a lot of people hate those arcs, these long arcs. I, I don't mind the arcs mm-hmm. so much as, you know, one, you can do that successfully. If you look back at the old Buffy, the vampire slayer kind of formula mm-hmm. where you have the, mm-hmm. this whole arc, but within that arc, you have sort of story of the week that, right. That you have the arc moving through. That's right. exactly what DS nine was built on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And this feels like you have a big arc, but you don't have a story of the week that it's moving through. You just have right. sort of these fumbles of the week. And mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, we're just trying to get to the end, but we're not going to reveal anything about the, I keep calling it the DMV because it's like, <laughs> it's like my frustration with the, the, the nemesis this season is like the DMV, you know, you don't oh want to go in and do it. Hilarious. <laughs> I like yeah. that. And I would probably be annoyed less about the plot arcs falling apart. If the character work was a little stronger i mean even taking book and i i get that book is traumatized but he's supposed to be a street smart survivor yeah. guy he, you, yeah, you right. should know by now that your partner's a nut and you need to ditch him you know like <laughs> book, book's the yes. kind of guy who should have figured that out by now right i think it's been tough this season too because they've gotten rid of some uh, so many strong characters have kind of moved away this season like right. Giorgio yeah. and yeah and tilly and, and tilly, tilly. tilly. And, yeah yeah and some changes with the season. It's just, it feels like sort of a transition mm. season. Yeah. Mm. When they, and yeah. they made a big deal about gray and gray storyline and then gray's gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But we got, we got uh, Adira back. This Adira week. came back this week. Yeah. And had, I mean, a few scenes with Stamets. Um, yeah. Yeah. Stam- uh, uh, There's so much melodrama. Mm. Right. That I wish I sometimes I wish that they were just more professional at what they do. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I I will say I find it better than I did in season three. Mm. Really? Oh my God. In season three, everybody cried every episode. And it's like, okay, I get I get the emotion and I get, you know, the, the human portrayal, but at the same time, you're, you're there to do a job, right? You know, you have been trained to do that job, do the job. Yeah. 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 I wrote it. I wrote in my notes that the episode was borderline overwrought and that's what I'm I'm starting to feel as well, because there was, there's a lot of, there was a lot of emotion and it, 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 it feels clunky. You're right. It feels clunky. It was almost like, um, the guy, I keep forgetting his name, or- Orso? Or- Oros. Oros. You're right. That was a really good story, but it didn't feel, it felt like, it almost felt like that that whole story could have been a one hour episode that would have been better. But the way it was kind of, yeah. it was it was slammed in there. I didn't get to enjoy it enough, but then you had the other stuff. 
Well, I feel like I think it would have benefited seeing Tarka's storyline if we'd got this information sooner and then had more feeling of why he's doing the things he's doing. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, instead of he goes through all the stuff with the DMA and then it's like, oh, by the way, here's what here's what here's the flashbacks. You know, well, we we knew a little bit of. Yeah, we got a little bit of first first or second episode, whatever it was, where he he said, you know, very cryptically that he Mm -hmm. was trying to get back home to a friend or whatever it was he said. But but yeah, there has not been detail on that at all Mm -hmm. or even a a re-mention of that right up until today. Yeah, I think I think Discovery might benefit too from shorter seasons. I think if Absolutely. a ten episode season would help tighten it up, you know, because it, it, it yeah, does feel yeah. like for it's taking a while. It, it almost feels like they get to episode ten and they're like, "Wait, how many do we have left?" Okay, yeah. this episode we'll just do this, right? You know, but but then okay. So the other side of that is the first couple of seasons. Uh, the first one was actually divided up where right. you had, you mm-hmm. know, the Klingon storyline followed by the mirror universe storyline. The second right. season, there was no actual break in it, but it did transition from the red angel into the control right. thing. So there was sort of that sense of, you know, two different uh, arcs basically mm-hmm. going on where it didn't seem to get as repetitive. Yeah. You know, I guess. And they've done that to an extent. I know. Well, at least in season yeah. three, you have the first few episodes is looking for Starfleet. And then you have right. a few episodes of getting to know Starfleet. And then you have a right. few episodes of going to the burn. You know what I mean? So it, there was a progression there. And I guess they're doing the same thing this season where yeah, it's just it just feel very samey, though, because it's the DMA. Right. Even though you learn more about it as you go along. I got to say, man, I am so looking forward to Strange New Worlds and having an adventure of the week. Yeah. I am too. Yeah. I really Holy am. moly. I'm, I'm so ready for that. Yeah. Not that I, I don't like a... the arcs and, and I'm, you know, looking forward to season two of Picard, but I'm ready for like a different adventure every week. Let's do it. Cause then at least something happens every week. Yeah. Well, and with an episodic show, you have a good week. You have a good episode, a bad episode, a good episode yeah. again, but yeah. a bad episode isn't going to tank it. Whereas that you're so arc right. heavy. If your arc's not good then <laughs> you know like you're, you're hanging it on a storyline that no one cares about i feel like well, we have really turned on this show because i think <laughs> we, we were we were we were really positive and in support yeah. of this whole season up until like last week yeah the last couple of weeks i've just yeah uh, now hopefully they'll come back next week and blow me away i would love that i think so uh, well, uh, brantley i'm sorry we cut you off a couple of times and we're awful the- hosts Something that I was reading was saying that the reveal of the uh, the the species ten C, if if the payoff is great, then right the season maybe survives. Mm, yeah. If the payoff yeah. is no good, then then you've got a weak season that has no great payoff. Mm. Yeah, but so, I still feel like even if the payoff is good, every step toward it should be a strong step. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do want to say. And I feel very strongly on this. This is a complete aside that has nothing to do with anything else that we've talked about. That the real villain this season is Commander Nilsson's wig. <laughs> That's such a moxie comment. And if you if you have not seen it, my husband, when we watch it, every time that she comes on the screen, I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, apparently the story is that she has gone uh, dark haired for a role that she has somewhere else. So she's wearing that awful wig. I don't know if you've noticed it. I have. Not. Well, I've noticed the wig, but I have not noticed it being awful. 
I cannot watch it without cringing every time she comes on the screen. It's like, oh my God, you're spending all of this money on all of these prosthetics and right. all of this other stuff, and you can't get her a decent wig. <laughs> and why yeah. do that? I mean, she just she could have dark hair. I don't think that would make it unless it changed you well, know, out of order with the filming. You know, I will, there is that, but there's yeah. also the that half the audience doesn't know who any of the bridge crew are anyway. Exactly. So if she suddenly has dark hair, and no one will know who the hell she is. Yeah, but last season they just randomly replaced one of them with an extra character. <laughs> I know. And, and hope nobody would notice. <laughs> And, and the other right. thing that drives me crazy about hair, this is a total other thing, is that when you have women on shows like this and they have hair that's down like this and they're in these situations where everything's being thrown around and right. pull your hair back, put it back. <laughs> Do I mean, nobody in any situation at any time in any universe, future, past, whatever, is going to go into a bridge situation with their hair hanging down in their face <laughs> like that. I listened it's to the, uh, I listened to the, I listened to the Delta Flyers podcast with Garrett Wong and Robert Duncan McNeil, and they make that same comment you just made and they That's laugh funny. about it. They're like, oh yeah, that was the week I had to have my hair all in my face, which makes no sense. Or look at Captain, <laughs> look at Captain Janeway's hair. They're like, oh, you know, something really bad happened because the hair is hanging all down around Yeah, because her bun comes undone. That was like the in the yeah. first two seasons. That's how you knew stuff was getting yeah. really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so what did, what did y'all like about the episode today? Like I said, I think my favorite song was... <laughs> That's a good question, Keith. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I did like Tarka's backstory. I thought that was very yeah. effective. And I like Michael's conversation with the president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they, but you say those were um, interpersonal moments, but they didn't seem to move this overall story. But I liked those moments. But yeah. that was about it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sonequa Martin Green was very good in her scenes with the president, especially that last yeah. one. Um, and go ahead. what did you think about um, about Saru and Serena? Oh, yeah. Tarina. That was good. What's her name? Tarina. Tarina. I mean, it was fine. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Bom, I just bom. don't. Chicken. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I did think it was funny when he like, it was awkward for him that he made this confession to her. And there's like, yeah. oh my gosh, he's coming on the mission. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> now I, I do have a question cute. and I, I looked this up beforehand. Cause I'm like, how many people are actually on this ship? I don't remember. I don't recall. I don't know. And I, I looked at several discussions that were like, if this was an actual ship, it's it's like the speculation is like 140, 150 people, possibly. Okay. Saru says something at some point about having 150 whatever people. Okay. But um, people are were saying that the ship was so much larger than other ships that it seems like it would have to have a lot more people on it. And there was a whole discussion about how many people <laughs> should be on a starship compared to Navy, a Navy carrier. And it, no, it's more like submarines. And it's just so interesting, these well, discussions it, uh, that people have. <laughs> one, th- one thing that really started that conversation we all talked about here on the podcast was when they did the um, they did the one where they were in the turbo lifts. And they showed the interior of the turbo lift. Oh, my God. And it's Coruscant. <laughs> yes. Oh, <my> God. <laughs> It Please don't ever bring that up again. <laughs> and it's what? It's it the turbo lifts, it, and there's like, and this cavernous. It looks like space the planet Coruscant from Star Wars. Oh, like it's right, right. humongous or Tron. It's like the Tron city is in the turbo. Yeah, lift. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It looks like a ride at Disney World. And until they do a pull out from a window and the ship looks surprisingly small every time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't right. I don't know how big Discovery is. Oh my to god. Be. But yeah, it looks like if, if Saru wants to avoid Tarina, I mean you work in like a restricted command center, just hang out there and she's not likely to show up. <laughs> yeah, but like he says, we're going to be in meetings together every oh. day. Yeah, you know. Well, I um, think I think the shit since she's a Vulcan, I think that I don't think she just, you know, she didn't really reject him or dismiss him, but she's a Vulcan. You know, what's she supposed to say? I love you too in the corridor and people are around. Yeah. So I, th- I think that, you know, when they get alone, she'll probably say something like it is agreeable to hang out with you or something like that. And that'll well, be tantamount. She does, she does find him to be a comforting presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For a Vulcan, that's a big deal. That's pretty hot. Exactly. <laughs> what century are we in again now? 30 seconds. Yeah. 30, 30 seconds. Second. Yeah. Because I, I, I think it's interesting that the Vulcans seem a little bit less kind of rigid, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, now that she seems a little more sort of emotive somehow. I don't know yeah. if that's just her. Well, but, they are sharing know, the planet with the Romulans now. So maybe there's been some yeah, influence so, there. There's been some rub off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I will say that Vulcan fashion has with those shoulder pads she had on tonight. Has definitely been influenced by the Rodgers. <laughs> Thank about you, about Edith that. Keeler. <laughs> I never even thought about that because the Romulan uniforms throughout the decades have been like the worst in Star Trek, <clears throat> with the possible Horrible. exception of the, yeah, with the possible exception of those dudes, the guards for the Dolmen of Alas in the original series that wore those really funky red, the whatever those things were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the Romulans in the next generation look like they had um, their <laughs> outfits were made out of like pot holders. Yes. <laughs> Those yes. were awful. Those were awful. They all, um, they, uh, they all, the Romulan uniforms you're talking about also remind me of Carol Burnett's uniform when she did a spoof of Gone with the Wind. <laughs> and she literally yeah. was wearing a coat hanger dress. <laughs> um, so uh, we were talking a, a little a minute ago about um, God, I don't remember what it was we were saying, but it made me think of how much more I am loving Burnham this season than any yeah. previous season. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like she is a hundred percent captain of a ship yeah. right now. Yeah. You yeah. know, whereas last season there was a lot of oh, in in the two previous seasons there was a lot of fly crying and 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 stuff. And this one, I just feel like. She is rock solid, and mm-hmm. I'm absolutely loving it. Yeah, and yeah, I agree, Alan. And also, I thought I think, um, and look, when she does little moments, it's like you say. To, people say she was crying, and it was too much emotion. But what I do like is she's very. She's like when she talks to her crew, she's not jellical. She'll say good job and stuff, but that's her yeah. style. Doesn't make her less mm-hmm. a captain. That's her style of command. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actually works with her. So I actually like that as well. But she yeah. does have more of a personal relationship with her crew than some captains had. But I actually like that about her. Mm-hmm. And, and there's one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and there was a, a scene in this one where she came onto the bridge and she looked kind of flustered. And you don't usually mm-hmm. see that a lot from Burnham. She's usually very That's poised. True. And so I yeah, just like right. that little human touch that she's just like having a day. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I also wanted to say that um, it was strange at the beginning of the episode that Bryce got a really, really lovely goodbye scene. We haven't seen him in like a month. <laughs> and it just seemed, I mean, they've been saying that he's working with uh, David Cronenberg, whatever his character's name is, on whatever problem it is that he's helping him, you know, do. Right. But we haven't seen him doing any of that. 
And I just thought it was so strange to have him on for a, a three minute scene to, to basically get rid of him. It's more yeah. lines that he's had a lot of the season. Is has been <laughs> absolutely explaining why a, he's not on the bridge. <laughs> it was a, right. It was a really nice scene, yeah. but mm-hmm. I just thought it was so weird. Um, now what I would like now in this episode, David Cronenberg's character, whatever the hell he's called is, uh, has said, you know, I'm not going to go with you to do this thing because there's something more important that I have to take care of. And I'm, you know, obviously, uh, Bryce is still working with him. So I'm hoping we get some scenes with the two of them on whatever the side project is that obviously is tying into the DNA somehow, but I want to see them doing their thing. Yeah. I want this to go somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like we're all saying that it could have been probably half a season. Like, like you mentioned, Alan, that you could have like two arcs in the season if you want to do arcs because they they absolutely could have wrapped this up sooner. Um, They could be wrapping it up right now. So I, I agree with that. Because uh, I, I, I'm thinking back on the show and I'm looking at it. I took three pages of notes, but they're all like individual conversations and a whole bunch of science complaints that I had to ignore. <laughs> right. But not an right. overall story that was like, oh, this is awesome. And I, I didn't feel like it moved forward in that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and again, what I'm talking about, it has nothing to do with the arc. It's just, yeah. you know, moments in this episode. But, you know, and, and the arc is fine. I, I, if If there was something engaging about it every week mm-hmm. and i and i didn't feel engaged this week i mean they're flying into bubbles yeah i just that didn't excite me at all no <laughs> i just thought it was goofy as hell. now you stirred me up again they start battling oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> like, no they're not i do not mean it. to i do not mean to awaken the kraken <laughs> yeah you know in looking back because it didn't really kind of strike me because I've, I've not been expecting much, but it just seems like the galactic barrier should have been more formidable mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody has pierced it in a thousand years. Yeah. It ought to be right. I was thinking the same thing. The, the, the bubbles sort of reminded me of Picard's space daisies, which I also thought were stupid. <laughs> so there you go. Well, the, the bubbles were, which ones were those? He's talking about the flowers in the end of Picard season uh, the one that uh, were attacking oh. ships and bringing down board oh. cubes and things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the bubbles just existed so that you have calm spots so they can have more sidebars. Oh, yeah, of course, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got we got to have a place where we can have a conference during the during the mission. yeah. We we have to have a conference, and that one podcast keeps griping about the fact that we do it in the middle of a combat. So we got to come up with some idea for them to be stable for five seconds so that we can have yeah. a sidebar. And if anyone's listening to our podcast for the first time, we don't usually sit around and gripe about Discovery all the time. The last couple of weeks, <laughs> we don't. We, uh, we have not been our don't. favorite episodes, but yeah. We do We do love the show, and yeah. this has been a great season up until last week and this week. And even last week had some good stuff in it. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in this episode that I really liked. I thought yeah. I thought Burnham was amazing, and I thought her... I, I really love the fact that the president is has like stepped down essentially to join this mission because she has a skill that they are going to need. And I'm really excited to see her, you know, progress in a way in this story. I think it's great. Yeah. Well, I agree. I, she's, she's probably I the, love least the president. Mm-hmm. I do yeah. too. I really like her a lot. Yeah. She is probably the least, the least offensive official on a starship in the history of Star Trek. Cause you know, the term <laughs> bad rule came from, uh, we talked about that last week, Charles, you know, the term bad rule came from all the ambassadors and stuff who come on the ship and just act like an ass to Kirk or somebody. So I, I kind of like the fact that she's working with Burnham that, that, that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I really felt though, that it was kind of yet again, sort of lazy writing of her stepping up and saying, Hey, I'm going to step down. It just felt like, it's just like, you know, do you have nobody in this whole place who's capable of doing anything except you, yeah. you know, you're, you're the leader. You're supposed to lead. You're not supposed to just jump into everything. It, it's just kind of frustrating when you're like, okay, have somebody say you're the only one who can do this, you know, have somebody right. as a, as a writer, as somebody who's all about sort of story and plot, it's like, this is just the laziest way to do this, you yeah. know, have somebody compel her to do this. Yeah. So, so basically you're complaining about every episode with captain Kirk. Um, every episode with captain Kirk. <laughs> Why? Why is that? Why do you? Because mean? because by your reasoning, he should have led. He's not. He's not step- president. He's not president he's the, of the. He's the, he's the president of that ship. But that's a, that's a completely different thing. I don't and, think it is. And, I think it's a matter of that, degree. In that era, I think it's a totally different thing because right. you're not you're not the head of everything. You're just the captain of the ship. I'm just saying. I think it would have worked better if they'd established that she's just great negotiator with a history of negotiating you know six episodes ago and then it comes up in this episode that well we're gonna need a negotiator i better go you know but it it, it did feel like it's like, it just it just came across as very arrogant to me on her part you know. to say you know i'm stepping down and the vice president is taking over and i nobody else can do this but me mm. it's just yeah. like oh well <laughs> great thanks that's so really interesting i didn't read it that way at all yeah, Bradley, one thing I mentioned a few weeks ago that we talked about that, that I think has frustrated me in, in terms of them filling the void that's been occupied by all these conversations is if you think about this, we still haven't really seen fleet preparations. You know, every um, like what you guys are saying with the president, she seems to be the only one. At the end of the day, other than the the, the really good episode where all the um, the delegates voted on whether or not they should confront the DMA or mm-hmm. do a con- first contact mission. I keep asking every week, where are the scenes like we saw in Deep Space Nine where we showed the fleet, a fleet of preparation? Because mm-hmm. now they're saying, literally they said um, the DMA has jumped so close to Earth and Navarre that its gravity is going to start affecting them. And again, I was like, well, I don't understand that either because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, how, <laughs> how Have Earth and Navarre been pushed close together? <laughs> yeah. And again, I was like, where's well, the this thing is enormous. Yeah. I was like, and I was like, and I think if, I think they, if they had taken a, cause we're really in a state of war almost, or they think they're in a state of yeah. war and right. we don't see fleet preparation. So I think that could have been the side, a story that they should have done more of because we, we literally see book and Tarka and we see discovery. And then we see like half a dozen people every week, the, the cat, the president, the Admiral Burnham, whatever. They have a conversation, but I don't see the rest of the Federation preparing. I don't see fleets. I don't see, I see nothing like that. And so mm-hmm. it almost seems like Discovery is like their only hope. If, I mean, yeah. the way they're the way they're presenting, it, if it gets blown up, then they're then they'll be like, oh, hey, let's put a fleet together. I don't know. So I'm I'm feeling like I'm missing something there. Well, and and as soon as that happened, as soon as they said the DMA has like shifted position and it's now like breathing down Navarre in Earth's throats. I was like, oh, well, there you go. And half of the Federation that voted to go books way are going to be like, where's our fleet? Yes. We told you. <laughs> we told you. Yeah. We, what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be hilarious if they did like uh, in the best of both worlds part two in TNG? You remember the jokes everybody told us in the board queue came to the solar system? There was like three ships from Mars. And it blew it up, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, and there was literally nothing else but the Enterprise <laughs> that yeah. had to catch up to it. But at least in that, 
the fleet had already met the Borg cube and been destroyed. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you have one point. ship that wasn't there for the battle. but And they often throw that in Star Trek where it's like, we're the only ship in the quadrant. Yes. But in this, they're, they're just the only ship on the show. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, yeah. they are the only ship that can jump that far out. That's true. That's true. So uh, they're, in, in a sense, they are the only one, except yeah. for Book. Now, but, you know, they don't have control of that. Yeah. Hey, before we wrap up, let me ask one last question because okay. they, um, the the producer said right. We discussed the producer said that this is not an alien species. Did they really say this is someone we one hundred percent never saw? No. Because I'm- they said it's 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 unlike anything we've ever seen before. Ah, so have they? So have essentially, that's what they were saying. <laughs> yeah, got it. So have, they, have y'all heard or come up with any? theories yet what you think it might be you hope it'd be i saw you know, all kinds of crazy stuff i think at one point we even talked about the kelvins and yeah and then there was no. all kinds of and there was something else that came wasn't my, my my theory was that it was this the those alien scents from picard that disappeared and oh yeah it doesn't look like they're going to revisit i think that that would be uh, something they could pull from but yeah. it, it could be klingons with four arms like there's no telling what it's going to be <laughs> yeah yeah, I can't. I can't. I haven't seen any really, really good theories yet that makes me even think yeah. about what it could be. Cl- like. Klingons didn't have forearms before. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I get it. <laughs> no, but they certainly had foreheads before. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, sounds like the consensus was a couple of really nice moments, but didn't add up to much of a show in terms of moving the plot forward. Yeah, it was perfectly fine, but it yeah. didn't need to be the longest episode of this season so far. It was almost 52 minutes, and I just don't think it needed to be that long with only two main plot threads going through that both were really slow. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, It's great characters doing things that I really don't want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm oh, ready for funny. them to get, get somewhere and, and move this thing along. I'm ready to yeah. find out what's going yeah. on. Yeah, same here. Because next week they've got competition. Because next week Picard starts up. That's true. That's true. Oh. And if you haven't seen the ready room yet, watch the ready room. There's a lot of Picard in the ready room. There's yeah. There's a whole segment on setting up season two, which yep. I'm really loving. Yep. What they're doing, uh, getting into season two, and then there's a a scene at the end. Holy yep. moly! Yep. Yeah, I'm really excited now. I wasn't excited yeah. really before. I I am excited. I I kind of hate that all the stuff they're showing now is like looks so Star Trekky when I know right. that it's going to be like the darkest timeline. So you're, we're going to get like an episode of really Star Trekiness, and then they're going to be in this dark timeline and then time traveling. So I hope that we. I would like more Star Trek. Well, let's see what happens. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not down on it. I'm just, <laughs> I just had a thought. Can you imagine if Captain Jellico were in, were in charge of this whole thing right now with the DMA? I would love that. It would be. It would have been get it done, get it done, over and over. And there yeah. better be four shifts. By God, <laughs> rides will roll. And Troy yeah. better wear a, a gosh darn uniform. That's right. Yeah. I think they would have confronted the DMA by now. All right. Well, Brantley, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people find more of you online and where can people find more of Moxie Magnus? Uh, Well, I'm not very much online these days, but Moxie uh, is most of what she's doing these days is TikTok. So you Mm. can find her at Moxie Magnus on TikTok. She's so uh, progressive. (laughs) 
she's she's been kind of uh uh disappearing recently as well uh mm-hmm. but uh she has her website moxymagnus.com where you can look at what she's done in the past you can look at her channel on youtube moxie magnus on youtube she's here and there and everywhere <laughs> awesome uh none of it is worth looking at but you can go and, and, and hunt it down great <laughs> selling <a> point <laughs> It's better than the DMV. That's true. That's true. Uh, okay. Well, watch next watch next week. Somebody's gonna say DMV because it's down Oh baby. All right, Al. Where do people find more of you? Well, I got my little publishing company, cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com, and my other podcast, which is Modern Musicology. And our next episode is all about concept albums. I'm very excited about that one. Wow. Wow. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram and now Twitter, almost like yeah. a new product announcement. <laughs> <laughs> and on Facebook prior to the ESO Network Facebook groups. Awesome. And then and, Ver- and Veronica, where? <laughs> yeah, she's not she's not here. But uh, find y'all- her at Universal Studios. <laughs> That's right. That's where she'll be tomorrow. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can find us at feltnerdy.com uh, or if you're in the Atlanta area on March the 6th at the Red Light Cafe, we'll be at the Sinful Sundays um, variety show. It's going to be burlesque, drag, puppets. It's going to be a lot of fun. So eight o'clock, uh, that's Sunday, September the, um, February the 6th, or March the 6th, whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) Sunday, March the 6th, come see us there. This timeline, please. Right. (laughs) Set your transporters to these really confusing coordinates. (laughs) That's right. Wherever you go, we'll be there. Um, There you go. Tomorrow, we'll be going live on Twitch as part of the... um, Captain Picard Week Podcast Festival, which is at this point been going on for several days, uh, but you can catch us at 8 p.m. Uh, so check out for the link. You can uh, t- take a look at our Facebook page and we'll be sure to be posting about that and uh, really looking forward to it. And does anybody have a closing this week? Oh, shoot. I didn't think of Moxie one. should have a closing. What would Moxie say uh, to dismiss us from our. Um, what would Moxie say? She would say something like. Um... <sighs> Uh, uh, what is it? She always says, uh, those, those, those basket weave bouffants don't weave themselves. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.